to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host, the Need Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over and rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss the shows when we drop them on Mondays. But also on Mondays... Make sure you go and subscribe to the A to Z Sports YouTube channel because that way you can see the show with your own two eyes and uh, potentially participate in it too if you want to come hang out. Obviously, it is live, 4 p.m. on Mondays. And uh, you can comment, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and you can literally be a part of the show. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris. At Zach TNT is Zach on Twitter, at A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. Never a dull week in Tennessee sports, Zach. It is a literal impossibility. You can't do it. Now, it makes doing a show like this the easiest thing in the world because we have stuff to talk about constantly. But it makes being a Tennessee fan a little stressful. <laughs> a news-packed week that was defined, I would say, by a, uh, how would you put it, a baseball scandal. Um, we'll we'll talk about it here. Zach, what's up, man? Yeah, I was wondering when I woke up this morning, I was like, all right, what all are we going to discuss today? And by, what, noon, a little afternoon, the whole show was pretty much mapped out for us and we really didn't have to do any work. So that's always, I mean, that's a plus. That's how it is during football season. More than enough to talk about every damn time. It does not matter uh, because that's just Tennessee sports. Now on today's show, it's going to be baseball. So right before we came on here, Maui Ahuna, Tony Vitello, the long national nightmare is over. They're both clear to come back by the merciful, the great NCAA that I wish would burn to the ground. Um, they, they're they going to be back, and that's great news. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Basketball absolutely annihilated South Carolina, but then also lost to Texas A&M over the last week since the last we spoke, Zach. And then finally, and this is really, we're going to talk about this in the middle in between basketball and baseball, but uh, Tennessee football got a surprise, kind of out of the blue commitment from a four-star wide receiver. We're going to discuss that also. But before we get into it, I got to tell you about all of our great sponsors. Superbook Sports. There's no better place to wager on your favorite sports than Superbook Sports. Go to Superbook.com and download their app today. Superbook Sports. Rattle and snap. Tennessee whiskey from Log Still Distillery. Make your own luck, just like Tennessee football's fast-paced rattle and snap offense with rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey. Omaha Steaks. Get $30 off your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with our promo code VOLS. That is V-O-L-S. That is uh, Omaha Steaks and Farm Bureau Health Plans for better health, better coverage, uh, and better rates. Go to fbhb.com slash A-T-O-Z, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Now let's get right into it. Baseball this weekend, uh, after a what we talked about last weekend, a, uh, I don't know how, how you would say a slow start to the season. They started off one and two out in the desert in Arizona and came back home and mopped the floor with a couple of directional schools 
and uh, they've now won five straight. Pitching in these games was really just top-notch. Blake Burke was explosive with a bat in his hands. Uh, there was even a fun bat flip, a controversial bat flip, at least among like Arkansas fans. Uh, did you watch any of these games, Zach? Yeah, I definitely saw the bat flip, and that was one of the most entertaining uh, bat flips I think I've ever seen. And it kind of brought you back to, okay, this is a different team than 2022, but they still have that same swagger. They're still the villains of college baseball, which I know me and you both totally embrace. I think most Tennessee fans feel the same way. And pretty much every non-Tennessee baseball fan cannot stand the Vols at this point, unless they just enjoy fun baseball. There are those guys out there, but it seems for the most part, every comment you see is just talking about what a disgrace Tony Vitello is. And they talked about, I saw one comment that, that discussed all of Tony Vitello's trash talk. And, and I don't remember Vitello really talking trash ever. I mean, do you, it's, it's, he lets no. the team be themselves, but he's not out there talking junk to, to other teams. I mean, he I should, think the, he should he, do that. Oh yeah, he should. I think the Bengals head coach talked more trash to the chiefs. Uh, before the AFC Championship game, that I've heard Tony Vitello toss. I don't, I don't really know where that comes from. It kind of tells you that people just kind of watch Tennessee from a distance, and and their reputation precedes them. So that's just what they assume. But yeah, it was good to see them get back, kind of find their groove. That first season of the series, or the first series of the season, was against some tough teams. That pretty much a true road crowd, a, a more raucous crowd than what you're used to to seeing early in the season in February like that. And probably a good test for Tennessee, but. Just like we said then, there was no reason to think less of this team just because of that tough opening weekend when they didn't have a couple of key players and, again, playing a couple of really good teams. So this is the Tennessee baseball we kind of expected to see, and they should only get better from here with uh, Maui Ahuna slated to make his debut on Tuesday. Yeah, big, big news today uh, because we, we should say, before we get into actually talking about the news from today, Malia Huna did not get cleared for this weekend, even though Tennessee won all of the games in relatively easy fashion against Dayton and Alabama A&M, right? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, the, they were simple games even without Malia Huna, but Malia Huna still not cleared, and that was absolute BS. I mean, you're just taking the kid's season from him, taking away you know potential time he could be playing in front of MLB scouts, making himself money. Literally stealing money out of the young man's pockets is an embarrassment, and it's a shame, uh, but he was not allowed to play in that series. But then on top of that, it came out Friday night, just out of the blue. <laughs> there were sort of rumblings all day that day on Friday. Just weirdness, where it was like, is Maui going to play? Is it? And then Maui, not only did Maui not get cleared, but Tony Vitello gets suspended for what turned out to be the three games of the weekend and the rationalization that you've heard flying around from the folks that you were talking about that absolutely hate Tennessee is that there was tampering in the, in the recruitment of Maui Ahuna. And uh, no, no one does that, but Tennessee, except everybody does that. Everybody in college sports at a major level does this stuff. Now that's why you, it, as a coach in college sports now have to just re-recruit your players constantly. And uh, I mean, do I doubt that Tony Vitello probably did some of the stuff that people are saying? What, what was it like flying out there and uh, recruiting the kid too early or before? I think they, I, like, I think they got him a booked him a flight or something before they had his transcripts is the kind of the story going around. 
well, what whatever it was, I mean, even even if it was the very worst version, because some of what I've seen is that it was Tony before the kid even went into the transfer portal. Vitello was in Kansas talking to this kid. Obviously, I have no confirmation one way or another if that happened, even if it was that. Look at like an LSU that got like every major transfer kid in America this past year. You think LSU wasn't loaded up on a plane going to talk to this kid at NC State that they got that was like the best hitter in America last year? You don't think that there was tampering there going from an ACC school to an SEC school, one major school to another? I mean, are you kidding me? And this is all, obviously, we all know this. This is just the NCAA grasping at the final straws of its total irrelevancy. They're they're just hanging on by an absolute thread. They have nothing left because they can't enforce anything in basketball. They can't enforce anything in football. And so they go, well, if, maybe basketball. Or the, the thing that you saw over the weekend with those uh, the TikTok chicks from, from Miami, um, the Miami women's basketball is getting hit. Uh, two of the best uh, women's college basketball players that are apparently – from what I, they're like famous on TikTok apparently, and some donor took them out to dinner or invited them to his house or something. Uh, and now the NCAA they've they've come knocking because we this is it's very imperative now that NIL's in place that the NCAA still sticks its nose in your business. I hate every part of this, um, and and Tennessee it it just it feels vindictive at this point. I guess uh, for not just towards Tennessee, but in that Miami situation too, it really is. It's just the NCAA just, you know, dangling off the edge of the cliff, hoping that they don't finally fall off. I think for sure. I don't, I don't think it had as much to do with the fact that it was Tennessee. It's just the NCAA kind of trying to flex their muscle, what little they have left. I mean, if there's something that really, really bad that happened with Maui Ahuna, he got cleared. They basically suspended him for eight games without, actually suspending him because if they could have suspended him, they would have done it. I mean, so they didn't have whatever they needed to, to make that an official ruling. So they just kind of drugged their feet. Like we've seen them do before guests in Tennessee felt like they needed to do something with Tony Vitello to protect him from any future penalties. I mean, that Tennessee is basically, you know, doing whatever the NCAA wants at this point, when it comes to these investigations, we saw it with football, we've seen it with baseball I really don't think the NCAA can go after them for too much. I, I don't know why you don't see it as much with some of the other programs that you mentioned, like LSU, but it is what it is. I mean, that, it's not going to impact Tennessee too much this season. They probably would have lost those first two games of the year anyway. I mean, baseball is one of those sports where one guy doesn't make that big of a difference, and, and really, unless it's a starting pitcher. So I don't think it really you know costs them a win or a loss, though I'm sure some might feel differently. But even in baseball, it's not – that big of a deal with it being such a long season so it'll be fun to finally see ahuna you know hit the field on on tuesday against charleston southern and hopefully he stays healthy and can show why he was such a coveted uh a prospect and when it comes to tampering stuff by the way i mean look at sam hartman at notre dame right that guy <laughs> seriously seriously before he left wake forest there were rumors that he was gonna you know maybe end up at florida you know those are pretty strong rumors and then like the minute he hit the portal, well, it sounds like he's going to Notre Dame. Well, the only way it sounds like he's going anywhere is this is if he's had a conversation with somebody. Because how else do you know if they want you? How do you know if there's a spot? How do you know if you even want to go if you haven't talked to the coaches? There's no way that you can even have an idea that that's where you want to land unless there's been a conversation. And all these reporters immediately, you know, said, "Hey, he's going to Notre Dame," and that's where he ended up. So 
that to me, that's just like the prime example of tampering and how, you know, it does happen. Everybody's doing it. It's not worth getting worked up over. I'd almost rather they just do it out in the open. Just let them do it at this point. They're going to do it anyway. Just let them do it. I mean, why not? That way you don't have to worry about breaking the rules. Hey, keep your guy or don't, you know, out recruit other teams or don't make better offers or don't. It's, It's that simple. It's like free agency anyway. Might as well just do it. It's not going back. Well, I do have a couple of uh, other questions to pose to you, Zach, about that particular situation before we move on. Uh, but before we have that final conversation about the the freeing of Mally and, and Tony V, I do have to tell you about our first great sponsor of the show this week, and that is Superbook Sports. Make 2023 the year you be Vegas. Superbook gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets you will find anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 897 Eight nine. That is Superbook Sports. Go download it right now because the NCAA tournament is coming up. You know what's amazing to bet on the NCAA tournament. I mean, if you want uh, a a a fun weekend, obviously you can just watch the games, but betting on them and winning money on them is even better. Uh, I, as someone who has firsthand experience in that that winning money on it and losing money on it, because the NCAA tournament obviously is very wild. Uh, it's it's really a heck of a time. I suggest it highly. So go to SuperbookSports.com uh, and download their app. Now, uh, looking through the comments, we got got some of the usual suspects over here already weighing in. Nugs is here. Roger, John, Hill, Mr. Jones. Of course, Big Ten Jeff always here to rile everybody up in the comments. We thank everybody for, for weighing in. If you do have a comment, leave it there. Obviously, wherever you may be watching, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, whatever it may be. Just leave your comments there, and uh, we do like to look at them and respond to them. Uh, but to finish up that conversation about uh, Maui and Tony V, uh, the, the question that I, I walk away wanting answered is, where does this end with Tennessee and the NCAA? Because... It, it feels like the genesis of it, you know, things were happening before Pruitt, but it just feels like the NCAA is just knocking down your door and Tennessee has complied and complied and complied and complied and complied. I mean, is there not going to be a point where we lawyer up and tell these guys to go shove it? I, I just am so, because this was, again, self-imposed essentially by Tennessee. Um specifically with Tony V, we don't know the exact specifics of Maui Hona, I guess, but with Tony V, I think Tennessee actually officially said they were self-imposing this, I mm-hmm. think, in the yeah, statement. So, yeah. Um, And are we not just going to tell these guys to screw off? I, I'm so tired of it. The I, I tweeted it out on the night of all that happening. I said, never, ever comply with the criminal cartel. The NCAA... You give them an inch, they're going to want to take a mile, and you're gi- you're giving them that remaining relevancy, and it. I, I hate it. They there has to be a time where we just go no more, and may- maybe the Pruitt thing has to be solved first. I don't know. Well, I, I think in the past it's been you know when it happened with Donnie Tyndall, you know Tennessee was okay. This guy's not really proven himself. There's a lot going on there. We're not 
we're not, you know, putting ourselves out there to defend this guy and to try to keep him. Same thing with Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, we were talking about firing Jeremy Pruitt before that investigation ever happened. Me and you wanted to fire him after the Kentucky game that year when they lost at home. And he fired the defensive line coach at halftime. So there was no way Tennessee was going to fight to keep him either. Now, with this Tony Vitello stuff, I mean, I don't think that it's going to turn into anything major. But if you follow Tennessee for any length of time, there's that little part of you that as good as things are going right now is like, there's something bad around the corner. You know, baseball's great. Basketball's great. Football's great. Is, is something going to happen to Tony Vitello and Tennessee loses him over something stupid like this? I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. I'm not I'm not trying to suggest that or scare anybody. I, I've seen some people concerned about that already. But I think it's the same feeling what I'm talking about. It's just like, okay, something bad's going to happen. I think we're at a point now, though, with Danny White where – if, if something were to happen, he's probably going to go to bat for Tony Patello. He's popular. He's I'd a good so. coach. He's, he's you know, brought this program to incredible heights and has them, you know, relevant nationally. They're the, one of the most talked about college baseball programs in the nation. It's everything that Danny White wants. Attention, you know, the right attention, winning, uh, just, just the culture, everything that, that he's about, you have there with Tony Patello. So I do think he would fight. And, uh, to keep him. And I think that might be part of the reason why you saw this self-imposed uh, suspension is they're kind of being proactive and making sure that this doesn't turn into something bigger. I think you it, it's all about leadership. You can go back to Bruce Pearl and the way all that played out. I, you know, I think with Danny White, it's just going to be a different process. I think he does have, you know, the, the personality to go up against the NCAA when it's the right time. I think he knows how to play it kind of the right way. We've seen it with the way the NCAA stuff is has panned out, which, you know, he kind of took over shortly after arriving in Knoxville. Uh, he knows when it's the right time to kind of bow up and say, hey, you know, we're not going to do what you want us to do. We're going to do it our way. You know, come get us. You know, come come penalize us, chase us down. Let's see how this goes. Exactly. He knows when that time will be, and hopefully he doesn't have to do that, but I do think he's the guy that would stand up against I hope. the NCAA. I hope so. Sooner rather than later, because I – like Nuggs makes a great point here in the in the comments. In 20 years, we will look back and wonder how the hell we let the NCAA meddle in everyone's business for so long. That's exactly it. Just mm-hmm. start now. Stop letting them meddle in your business. <laughs> Tell these guys to go take a long walk off a short pier. That I uh, I can't stand it. And I think to kind of wrap up this conversation, a lot of Tennessee fans made this point. But I mean, you just look at the juxtaposition of Mali Ahuna sitting out. A kid who, again, even if Tony Vitello did the worst thing possible, that's not bad, but the worst thing possible, which again would be like, you know, flying before the kid ever put his name in the transfer portal and trying to get him to Knoxville. Even if he did that, it wouldn't be anywhere close to this stuff we're seeing in Alabama. I mean, this, (laughs) it's recruiting violations compared to a murder, a a situation that involves a murder, murder of a mother of a five-year-old child. And, and that's what I, it, you know, along with all the stuff that's been happening with Tennessee, I mean, obviously the craziest story in all of sports period is this whole thing with Brandon Miller at Alabama. And if we, if we learned anything this week about anything, it's that I'm pretty sure Nate Oates doesn't have a brain in his head. It's just like rocks up there. I don't know what that dude was doing this whole week. Brandon Miller with the doing the pat down thing. The other Alabama night, fans cheering him and standing ovations. What are you doing? 
How I mean, surreal I, was that watching him in that South Carolina game like the day after? It was so weird watching all that happen. So I guess I, I'll give uh, my Yep, yep, just go for it. So I'll give my quick take on it. Cuz I I don't I don't want to go too deep on it cuz it just oh, this whole thing. It's a big story. Me, it's, it's I mean it's a bit, yeah, biggest it's story. It's the one time like every national columnist is pretty much united with fans of other schools. It's everybody except Alabama. They're united in how they feel about this pretty much. And that never happens. So, yeah, there, there was just across the board kind of outrage. I mean, the, yeah, Ben says in the comments here, Nate Oates just doesn't care. That's, I think that's absolutely true. This to me just reeks of the biggest example ever of avoiding a situation because you're a star athlete. And I knew this is my opinion. Let me start this entire conversation off by saying all, you know, everything concerning this murder, it's all alleged, supposedly, you know, it's still a legal proceeding in a court of law at this moment, even where the revelations that came out were even just a pretrial hearing where all of this happened. But this, this kid, according to the state of Alabama, broke no laws. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Now, in my personal opinion, I think unequivocally the only reason that he does not have charges levied against him is because he is a, a star athlete at the university of Alabama. That is my personal opinion. And it is absolutely what I think. I actually, I saw Stephen A. Smith make a great point. I don't say that often. I don't think many people say that often, <laughs> but I saw Stephen A. Smith talking about this. He made a great point. He said, there are other States that have much stricter gun laws in unequivocally he would have been charged as an accessory to murder here. Like that's how close of a line this kid was walking in this situation. And the the thing that takes it over the top for me is the text message that was brought to light in court where the, uh, the guy who's being charged with capital murder, one of the two that's being charged with capital Davis. murder. Text, uh, Miles, Miles I, and Davis. I think Miles, yeah. Miles sent the text. Davis did the shooting, suppo- allegedly, supposedly. Um, but the text to Brandon Miller that said, bring me my piece. Somebody's been faking, which I'm not hip with the kids. Looked it up. And that supposedly means like somebody stepped to you and said they were going to fight you. But did they like back down because they're like a, a wuss or whatever? Supposedly, that's what that means. Sent this text message to Brandon Miller. And Alabama's defense has been, oh, well, he was already on the way to go see these guys. He d- he probably didn't even see the text. There's no proof whether he did or not. But he probably, he probably didn't even open it. He probably didn't even know. Uh, regardless, this dude transported the weapon to the scene of the murder. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, supposedly there's surveillance footage too. I, I read it all up on the Tuscaloosa local news or Birmingham local news. I tried to do as much research as I could. Um, but they, you know, there it's an ignorance plea. He didn't know what he was walking into. He didn't know. Here's why that doesn't matter at all. No matter what happened, this kid made a mistake. It was, it could have been knowingly or it could have been unknowingly. Obviously the law says it was unknowingly. And so he gets off on that. Um, but he made a mistake period. And he was hanging out with the wrong people and he was hanging out with the wrong people at 2 AM. Uh, and so that alone should have resulted in some amount of accountability. And like, to me, what I think could have gotten this entire PR nightmare off of Alabama's back 
would have simply just been going, you suspend him for five to 10 games. They still would have won plenty of games in that stretch without him. Although they probably would have lost, I don't know, two or three more, but they still would have, they would have been a fine NCAA tournament team probably still would have won the SEC and it would have been just fine. And, you know, Nate Oates went out there and he had to be as greedy as possible. And like Ben said in the comments, he doesn't care at all. And he, you know, they brushed it all off and said, oh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong place. So we can't punish him. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can't punish anybody for that. And so, you know, it's this PR nightmare. Nate Oates is an idiot, just goes out there, humiliates himself, makes an idiot out of himself. And I, all, all of that is happening where Alabama is just shamelessly doing all of this. And this, this kid with the pat down and the, the Twitter, uh, he didn't, he put himself being in the last couple of days, the picture of him being patted down. He made that his banner on Twitter, like purposefully made that his banner on Twitter. I'm like, who are we dealing with here? This kid's vindictive. This kid's like mocking now at this point, it appears. Uh, and through all that, the person that's suspended is Maui Ahuna in Tennessee baseball. Are you kidding me? Get out of town. I I have, oh, uh, I could fume on this for hours and hours and hours. I'm sorry, Zach. That was a lot. No, it, it had it had to get out at some point because I think I think most people feel the same way. I mean, look, Alabama could have just suspended him out of respect for the family until they figure out what's going on. I get that you got to let the, the process play out. Um, but let's be honest, like like you just said, you're going there at that time of the night. You kind of know it's probably not a good situation. If you're a star player and you're thinking about just thinking about it from the business standpoint, you're a star player. You got to I mean, you're gonna be a millionaire in months. I mean, not long. You're going to be a high draft pick in the NBA lottery. Why would you why would you even consider putting yourself in those kinds of situations? Oh. And you know, somebody lost their life. Somebody lost a mother. It's like, can we not be a little sensitive to that? I mean, whatever. Sometimes people go overboard. I just think you 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 got to have a conscience there and do what you think what what's the right thing to do. And I don't think Nate Oates is doing the right thing because universally, pretty much everybody, you know, nobody feels like he's doing the right thing. And he's come across very just crass and like he doesn't really care. And he first apologies for the statements that he makes like the wrong place wrong time thing which is probably it's gonna haunt him forever i mean he is probably oh, yeah. he will never get one of these major jobs after this i don't think unless it's a program that just really does not care so maybe if bruce pearl gets fired auburn would would go down that road since they don't seem to mind hiring questionable characters but beyond that i mentioned it to you i think danny white you know he was a danny white guy at buffalo i think danny white has to disavow nate oates after this because of everything that's happened and the way he's handled this situation i don't yeah. think you could you know if something ever happens with rick barnes you know rick barnes is nearing retirement and whenever he wants to do that and makes that choice i don't think that's a guy that can be on your list anymore at all the the, the situation it just makes me sick the whole situation because there is just such a stark difference between these two things where i mean a, a recruiting violation is one thing and being shameless about that i i'm in fact for the most part it like if alabama was shamelessly going about recruiting violations because of my want for the end of the ncaa i would probably be cheering them to a certain extent i i actually like memphis and and penny hardaway just like shamelessly flaunted what that kid a few years ago and put him out there when the ncaa was trying to crack down and i was like good for them good for them for standing up to the 
to the NCAA. This is just such a different thing. I mean, a life was ended and taken from this earth, a life that was a mother to a five-year-old child. This is not some laughing matter or something that can just be chalked up to, oh, it's just college sports, wrong place, wrong time. Blah, 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 blah. I, it's unconscionable to me. There needs to be consequences of some kind. There's not going to be because it's Alabama. They're completely shameless and unscrupulous and moralist. Uh, moral less. Yeah, moralless. Um, but, man, I... I I don't know. It, it was just crazy having having the kid at Tennessee suspended while while this kid goes out and scores forty one points at Alabama. I mean, what more can you say? Just the the difference there. I I don't have a whole lot more about it other than to just say like, good lord, I hope I hope we get to play them in the SEC tournament and just beat them and just or some even just somebody somebody. I don't want to see these guys win a single damn thing this season. And I, I would bet that that's true nationwide outside of singularly Alabama fans. And and like without, as far as Alabama fans go and the whole cheering him, the, the hypocrisy here, because every single one of those people knows without a doubt in their mind that if this was, if this was Pearl doing this at Auburn, if this was Rick Barnes at Tennessee doing this at Tennessee, they would be rioting in the streets, wanting these schools burned down. They, they would be indignant beyond belief. And yet they're, well, he didn't know. He was, he's just an innocent, beautiful little butterfly. He had no idea. And he can't be held account. He's a child. He's a 20-year-old child. He, he has, you can't know anything at 20. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I don't even know. And, and even, even in saying that, like a good example of a past situation that was very different. Nobody died, but somewhat similar in terms of, except in a different way, a player actually got punished was Bruce. At Tennessee, Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith got kicked off the basketball team for for uh, getting a gun charge. If I'm thinking correctly, I think it might have been gun and drug, but still, you know, at least at Tennessee, Bruce did something about it. That's un- unbelievable. But regardless, any anything else <laughs> with uh, Ahuna or or Alabama? Uh, no, I mean that that pretty much covers it when it comes to Alabama. It's it's. <laughs> It's been a frust- it's, <gasps> it's been unfortunate to watch all that unfold. And at the end of the day, it really is about, you know, the five-year-old that, that doesn't have a mother anymore. I mean, that's the person mm. that hurts the most out of every single bit of this. It's not Alabama fans. It's not other SEC fans. It, it's the kid. And that's, you know, that's the tragedy of all this. Nothing's changing that. Absolutely. Absolutely tragic. Horrific stuff. And Alabama parades around like it never happened. Good for them. Um. All right. So now, switching gears to an actually a genuinely positive thing. I guess that, in a technical sense, that first segment was positive because Maui Ahuna and, and Tony V are back with Tennessee baseball, and that's great, and I'm excited to see Ahuna play. But Tennessee had more positive news uh, today. They recruit J.J. Harrell, four-star wide receiver committed to the Vols, and we're going to talk about it in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans, another great sponsor of ours. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fphb.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fphb.com slash ATOZ, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thanks to them. For supporting the show, JJ Harrell, 
out of out of nowhere for the most part. I mean, I saw even recruiting guys just kind of being like, this was unexpected. And the main reason that this commitment was unexpected to Tennessee is because this kid is from northern Mississippi. And the common knowledge around him was that he was really looking at going to Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. And Tennessee gets the steal. What would you think of this, Zach? I think this is where you're kind of seeing uh, what we talked about, the Nico effect, kind of kind of showing up. And it hurt. Uh, I remember who we had spoke to about recruiting. Maybe it was Matt Ray when we talked to him uh, earlier this month that talked about we would see kind of this down the road, how, how he would impact recruiting. And because the 2023 class was somewhat so already set with a lot of those guys, well, a big reason why Harold committed to Tennessee was because of Nico. He told uh, 24 or Rob or on three that Nico was a big reason that that was the quarterback that he wanted to play with. If he could choose anybody, it would be Nico. So you'll probably see, you know, more of this in the coming years. And as Tennessee continues to build this program and get top quarterback commits, because I think, you know, Nico should not be the last one that they get. This will continue to be a trend for Tennessee. And it just, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, trickle down effect where you get the quarterback, you, you can get the wide receivers. It just kind of all fills in around them and you can really get some momentum going. So really good pitch up for Tennessee. He sounds like a guy that just, just loves playing football and wants to do whatever's asked for, for him from him on the field we use this comparison a lot, but kind of has that Jawan Jennings mindset. I don't know if he'll be quite the dog that Jennings was. They don't make many like him, but he kind of – that's his style of play. Like, that's the kind of guy you're getting. A little bit more explosive, though, more of a playmaker. Jennings was limited in his speed. Didn't didn't hurt him too much at Tennessee, of course, or even in the NFL just because of the way he plays. But I think it's a guy that Tennessee fans are really like the way he plays. I, I love uh... – the general optics of this on top of him, obviously it seems like being a pretty dynamic athlete and, and that's great. But the, uh, the win over Kiffin here, uh, it illustrates something that I think is, is really great outside of just, you know, beating out the guy that was formerly your coach and kind of screwed you over. But beyond that, it kind of shows, that Josh Heupel, because of this last season and just everything that's happened with his offense, in, in recruiting, he's genuinely viewed differently. And I, I did a show over the weekend uh, with with Mark Rogers. Um, he calls himself Voice of College Football on YouTube. Uh, go find his channel after you watch this. He does great stuff. Um, but I, I was talking with him, and he actually said, you know, oh, I watch Josh Heupel throughout the season, and I just said, Oh, what he's doing is is different. Like he's different from all these other dudes. He's doing things that other guys simply aren't doing. And I feel like this is exact proof positive of recruits seeing it that exact way. Like if you go to Tennessee, this deal is different, especially when you're a wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt obviously coming off of a Belidnikov and the crazy production that that entire uh, that that entire Tennessee offense had. I mean. It was wild, and it stands out. And even within a, I would say, honestly, an elite offensive guy like Kiffin, I mean, he, he really has been one of the leading guys in college football in terms of his offense. Josh Heupel still sets himself apart from even that. Like, it, it, what he has done is just crazily impressive, and it impresses these recruits. He, and you honestly, you can't say enough about that and the way that it's paying dividends. But I, I like your point about Nico. I hadn't necessarily thought about that, but that's absolutely 
I don't know why I didn't think about that. Obviously, I would bet that that's a part of this because that's who this kid will be playing ball with. Like that, theoretically, his first, what, two years, he he would be, yeah. uh, Nico would probably be his quarterback. So, uh, I, you know, a pickup like this is just exact confirmation of everything that we've been hoping would come to fruition. Uh, where we talked about, you know, after the Alabama game, oh, this is going to take recruiting to the earth level. At the Florida game, the LSU game, you know, we sort of had those conversations where it's like the perception of this changes. But then you look at the the body of work in totality and the way that this offense has just shined at a national level and been so impressive. Dudes are noticing it, and it's great to see it finally paying off. Yeah, I don't know if Tennessee, obviously they're not quite in that Alabama, Georgia realm yet because they I mean they have to win the championship they have to prove those things but I do think they're pretty much I feel like we can pretty much cement them among like perennial top 10 teams in the country like they're in that Oklahoma what Oklahoma was with Lincoln Riley where they're going to be a playoff contender especially now with the expanded playoff pretty much every year like the thing's rolling right now exactly like they don't need anything else to happen it's only going to get better from here if they just they're not even they don't even have like if you took all the talent on Tennessee's roster, it's not a top 10 talent, not a top 10 roster in terms of talent, if that makes sense. They're not there yet, but they're performing at that level. So if you get a couple of top 10 classes in a row, in theory, you know, they're going to be even better, right? They're going to be even more in that top five range, more of a contender to win a championship. So it's really, I don't think it could slow them down if something happened to Josh Heupel, which obviously, you know, you, you can't forecast something like that, but there's nothing on the horizon that suggests anything it's going to happen there. Heupel's a upstanding guy, handles himself the right way, handles the program the right way. Hasn't even been a hint of any shadiness happening with him leading the program. He's not going anywhere. He's happy at Tennessee. I wouldn't even be that worried if the Oklahoma job opened at this point, just because I don't think that's what he wants. I think he's exactly where he wants to be. And he's got this thing moving in the right direction. It doesn't feel like there's any slowing it down right now. I don't think there is. It, the only thing that could slow it down is maybe the results of this upcoming season. It does make me a little bit nervous because obviously you're you're selling really what comes after this season. I, I, that, yeah. I, that's what they're selling to these current recruits. But if you can have another season compounding where where you show that success again and with a different quarterback this time, just think like that's how you get to truly mm-hmm. elite recruiting. You, you do have to prove it to these kids. This isn't we've said it plenty, but like he didn't come here with a silver spoon in his mouth, like Kirby at Georgia, where Rick Rick had done a, a good job recruiting and had a lot of elite players, but just hadn't, you know, won those big games. And, you know, it wasn't like that here. It was a total rebuild, a total teardown. Um, and he's just putting the walls back up. And so I, yeah, I don't want to say it scares me this upcoming season, but it, it excites me maybe that if they, can have another similar season, that's where you can probably launch into regularly dealing with elite recruits like a Georgia, like an Alabama uh, is doing already. Um, I think it might take that. But for now, I mean, in this situation, this kid's a a borderline blue chip. If, you know, four star, I think he's what number 205 in America, maybe in the 247 composite. Oh, no, no, no. 104. So I was thinking I, I added 100 spots. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's plenty near the top in terms of recruits. It's a great pickup. Uh, and so I, I love it, but it is still 
at the end of the day, this is still a foundational thing. Like you're still kind of building that, that foundation where I think hopefully if you continue the success into the future, that's when it will become the, you know, where you're essentially recruiting nobody, but blue chips. I, I also think bringing your defense along has some to do with that too, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I, I just think it's, it's great because Heupel, I, I, I'll always go back to it probably the whole time that he's here, but just what's happened compared to the expectations I had with him coming in. It's just so crazy. I, Cause everybody was like, can this, can he recruit? I don't know if he can recruit. And man, look at him now. It It's so impressive. So impressive. Yeah. 20, 2023 really is when Josh Heupel can kind of, prove himself as a legitimate elite head coach obviously Nick Saban is at the top of that list and nobody's gonna knock him off until he retires because of what he's accomplished but if Hypo can take this is supposed to be kind of a transition year for Tennessee we have high hopes for Joe Milton we know he has the talent to be great he has the talent to be talked about in next year's draft like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson in fact he should be no matter what because neither one of those two guys showed a ton in college and they're both projected top 10 picks Milton is just as physically impressive, if if not more so than both of those guys. But the story is Nico, twenty twenty four and beyond. The story is some of these guys they're bringing in. Like that's the, the that's the championship run. That's what we're expecting from Tennessee in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five to go compete for a championship. Twenty twenty three kind of feels like last year a little bit. Where okay, we're thinking ten and three. Like ten and three is a pretty good season. Ten and three keeps the momentum going. You lose to Alabama and, and Tuscaloosa. You drop the Georgia. Maybe they beat them. I don't know. But right now, I think we kind of have to assume that that Georgia's the favorite in that matchup. And you can't count out, you know, dropping another game like the South Carolina game. I don't think that's going to happen again. But those games are always possible in the SEC. You finish this season 10-3 and in what's supposed to be a transition year. I think that really keeps that momentum going. Anything more than that, you go 11-2 and again. I think you you're really going to pick up some momentum then. Yeah. Whew. Sky sky's the limit. I mean, we all know that. Tennessee was always a sleeping giant and it's it's waking up or ha- I mean honestly, 11 you went 11 and 2 has woken up. And but Jeff made a comment that I know you're you're actually going to agree with because we've talked about it before about about Georgia's schedule. Oh, yeah, he says just sucks that Tennessee won't make the SEC championship this year cuz UGA's schedule is so garbage. Well, what they could, they have to beat Georgia. <laughs> yeah, that's no that, easy that task. Thing. Um, but yeah, th- their schedule is such an absolute joke this coming season. It's more of a joke than, than Ohio State's schedule. And you know, I was not to give, go too off on this too much, but I was kind of looking and projecting what Tennessee's schedule could look like under the new format when they're expected to go to, go to the 3 6 model with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents. Which basically means an extra conference game, and you play, you know, Georgia every other year. You play LSU every other year, Texas A&M. You know, you're going to play these teams every two years, so you're really not escaping Georgia that much. When you don't have Georgia on the schedule, you're probably going to have LSU or Auburn or another pretty good SEC team, and Florida also is going to be in there. And you know, I don't think they're going to be down for that long. It'd be nice if they are, but. They're going to be a tough game every time it's a rivalry game. So even in the future, that schedule still still going to be tough. Good thing it's going to a 12-game, 12-team playoff because I really think you're not going to see that many undefeated seasons because Georgia's schedule should get tougher. They're going to have to play 
tougher teams. They're not going to get the weak crossover opponent like they get sometimes where they might luck out and play Auburn when they're not so great. And and whoever their crossover is this year, it's it's probably Mississippi State or something, I'm sure. <sighs> it's a total joke. I don't remember which team it is exactly, but it's pathetic. We, we know that much, but uh, there there's that as, as far as uh, sort of current football news. There was a little bit of uh, recruiting stuff this week that you wrote a little bit about. It's just Tennessee getting getting a visit from some big uh, recruits. There's there's kind of been uh, some some smoke around some different guys, uh, Jarek Gibson and a couple other guys, but no, nothing to necessarily report in terms of movement towards committing to Tennessee or anything like that. But we'll obviously keep tabs on it. Uh, and uh, before we move away from football, I want to talk about uh, the combine coming up this weekend. It starts on the 28th, February 28th, and a bunch of Tennessee players are going to be at the combine. And we're going to discuss that in just one second after I tell you about Omaha Steaks. Uh, now long-time sponsor of the show at this point, almost a year they've been with us. Spring is in the air, and that can only mean one thing, spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something something delicious with their semi-annual sale. Uh, it starts February 22nd, so it's already it has begun. Uh, and you can get 50% off site-wide. Grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean-fresh seafood, uh, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and decadent desserts, plus... When you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code VOLS at checkout, that is V-O-L-S, you'll get an additional $30 off your order. It's the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code VOLS at checkout, and take advantage of this deal. Gotten the Omaha Steaks here. It is absolutely phenomenal. Super high quality. Comes right to your door. Uh, honestly, can't say enough about the convenience. How good is it? Seriously, the, the quality is is super high. So get it. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship to your your order right away, and you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. Don't miss your chance to save. Visit OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code VOLS at checkout to get it $30 off when you shop the semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. That is Omaha Steaks promo code VOLS. Now on to uh, the Combine with Tennessee uh, and its players. Let me make sure I've I noted everybody that was invited uh, from Tennessee's team. It is Hinden Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Darnell Wright, Byron Young, Jeremy Banks, and Paxson Brooks, uh, all invited to the Combine to participate. And uh, this this is big because I looked at some mock drafts this morning um, for, uh, for just different NFL sites. And on one, Jalen Hyatt and Darnell Wright were both in the first round. Then I looked at another, Jalen Hyatt was like 17th overall in one of the mock drafts I looked at. I want to say that was on USA Today or one of those sites. Uh, so some of these guys are really getting thought of highly. And it's exciting because obviously from what we were just talking about, guys going to the NFL can be huge for recruiting. And so hopefully some of these do show out at the, at the Combine. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Jerome Carvin was not invited. Uh, I agree. I, I expect him to be drafted probably late sixth, seventh round. He's a guy that's got a lot of versatility. He's played all three interior spots: left guard, right guard, center. Uh, I don't. I think he allowed one sack total over the last two years, according to Tennessee's official website. So it's a guy that's produced at a high level, playing against the toughest opponents in the country, or some of the toughest opponents in the country. 
really shocked that he's not being looked at a little, little differently. So uh, unfortunate that he doesn't really get that chance to prove himself. Still think he'll get drafted late, like I said, and end up having a pretty good career. But that that was one surprise for me when it comes to the combine. Otherwise, I think you've got uh, Jalen Hyatt. If he runs in that 4-2 range like he's hoping to, that should boost his stock up quite a bit, kind of like when John Ross that year ended up being like a top, what, 10, 12 pit. Didn't, didn't turn out well for, for Ross. He had some good games, but couldn't really show any consistency. But that, I mean, that's what the combine can do for your draft stock. I think if Cedric Tillman runs in the 4-4 range and has some good workouts, perhaps he could climb back into late in the first round, early second round. I think he's, I'm actually a little bit higher on Tillman in the NFL than Hyatt. I really like Tillman's body control, just the way that he can adjust to some of these throws uh, and the tight windows in the NFL. That's really important. Uh, and not saying Hyatt can't do that. It's just something that Tillman really seemed to excel at at Tennessee. Yeah. T- Tillman's got that physicality uh, in between him and Hyatt. He uh, is just, really good with those 50 50 balls and Hyatt was so fast that it was almost he almost hurt himself not having to be in some of those situations and it wasn't really (laughs) his fault you know it wasn't his fault he he was open so much uh which obviously is not a bad thing but also didn't give him a chance to show off uh if he can fight through a contested catch Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm really excited in this case for tillman byron young for sure, getting to show out, getting to show his physicality, because I I think um, he could really show something. And uh, then Jeremy Banks, too, because, you know, Banks has always been kind of a physical freak. He just um, he struggled a little bit between the ears through the years. <laughs> um, Coverage but, wasn't his strongest suit. Yeah. Uh, so he's he has some problems there. But but the thing with that is, you know, some guys get to that level and if they have the physical gifts they can get to that level where football is their full-time job. Like they have nothing else to worry about mm-hmm. other than that. And they can concentrate on it 24 seven. And then they end up really excelling to a point where you didn't think they could. I, I mean, I want to say, I mean, he, he wasn't always the most focused individual at any level of football, but like an air. Was it their reason that he didn't play in the bowl game? Oh yeah, that's true. He's definitely got know. some off field stuff to work. Yeah, I don't through. know if it was his full time job. If if class was, <laughs> that's true. But like so, some guys that I think about, where like they didn't have the most elite college career and then ended up being really great. It's like an Arian Foster from Tennessee. It's like he didn't mm-hmm. have the best college career, went to the NFL and was one of the best running backs in the league for a few years there. And and some guys, it just it, it's what it takes for them uh, to get there. And, and coaching, maybe, I mean, coaching matters too. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and the fit and the system that you get put in and there there's a lot to it. I mean, obviously, if you get drafted by the Cleveland Browns, you can just sort of kiss your relevancy in the NFL goodbye, depending on what you, you know, that that, that makes a difference too, if you play for an actually good franchise or not. But, uh, you know, it, there's just a lot that could be done in the combine this week for some of these dudes. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they can they can do. I, I hope that Tennessee gets more dudes drafted uh, and maybe get some some unexpected guys in there. Yeah, that's something Tennessee really needs. to. That's another aspect that helps in recruiting. If Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman go have good careers in the NFL, show that, okay, yeah, we played in this simple, simplified offense at Tennessee is what people like to say. Uh, they can show that, hey, that didn't that was that didn't hold us back. You know, it didn't hold us back from making the NFL, making an impact in the NFL at all. So that can help destroy some of those narratives. Because Velas Jones kind of had a shaky 
rookie season, it wasn't so much because of the system. He just couldn't hold on to the football and Bears and drove Bears fans mad that he fumbled uh, so many times. That's you know, that's something that he's got to figure out. That doesn't really have anything to do with the system that he played in in college. But that narrative is going to linger until a few players from Tennessee make it to the NFL and can kind of disprove that. Hopefully, Hyatt Tillman and perhaps Hendon Hooker. Sounds like he's going to be healthy. He's not throwing at the combine. I believe he will be there. But he's not, you know, not going to participate in that. But sounds like he's going to be healthy for the season, is what people are saying. He thinks he's going to be ready by training camp. We'll see. But he's a guy that could play, you know, for a team this year. I don't think he's going to get drafted in a spot where they want him to go be the starter. Obviously, that wouldn't make a lot of sense if you don't know for sure how his rehab is going until he's in your facility. But a team that, you know, down the road is going to look at, making a quarterback change. Maybe the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Carolina Panthers, or, you know, Buccaneers, a couple of these teams that, you know, they don't have a top four pick. Raiders have a top 10 pick, but who knows how the draft is going to play out. Hooker could be a good fit for one of those teams. You know, maybe somebody goes and gets a Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of like a gap quarterback and you bring Hooker in and kind of hope he can be the guy. Kind of like what the Titans did with Malik Willis. Hasn't really worked out yet for the Titans, but it, that that would be the thought process there. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting so hard for Hooker, but he just has some of those drawbacks. You know, we talked to uh, Trevor Sycamore of Pro Football Focus on here a couple weeks ago, and he just brought up like age is such a big factor there because he's already advanced in age, advanced in age. <laughs> you know, he's still a young guy, but uh, relative to the NFL, I mean, what's he, 26 or 25. whatever? He'll be, yeah. he just turned 25 in January. So 25. at the end of his first year, he'll be 26. Uh, and, and I mean, that that factor alone where you go like, okay, we get him in. He has the year to kind of sit and acclimate. You know, almost nobody comes into the league and is a starting quarterback in their first year. And by that time, when he's actually getting on the field, he's 27 in his rookie contract. Um, and so that that does concern me with that. And I think it was a great point by Trevor when he brought it up. But if but you, I, if, if you're gonna like if you said hey you're gonna draft Hendon Hooker and you're gonna have a quality starting quarterback for eight years, would you not take that? I mean, yeah, because you don't. That's what I was about teams, to say. Yeah, I mean, we see teams draft quarterbacks in the first round, top ten all the time that never. I mean, they never pan out. They don't get them for yeah. two years, let alone eight. Like to to me, that there is that factor again. Fair, fair point by Trevor when he brought it up, but. The, the thing with Hooker and where I'm just I'm rooting for him so hard is that he's such a good dude and he's so mm-hmm. hardworking and he's such a great leader. And and I think, like, really, if he can put his nose to the grindstone and uh, re- really get after it, I think he could absolutely carve out a, a career in the NFL. Obviously, it comes down to being able to process at NFL speed and make the throws and do all those things and with with hard work i think anything could be possible there but uh, i he's just such an awesome guy i just i want to see him succeed so badly he deserves every bit of it and and i want to see that happen but it's man it's so tough to carve out a career as a quarterback in the nfl but mm-hmm. yeah like there there are dudes ryan Tannehill with the titans had an absolute resurgence in his mid-30s with the titans you know like it can happen uh plenty Josh Dobbs didn't get a good chance until this season in the NFL. And he, and I was glad he, he kind of showed out 
with the Titans, and I'm hoping he'll get a he'll get a chance this coming season. And yeah, like Mr. Jones says it here, Hooker had 70 touchdowns and five interceptions in his time at Tennessee as a starter. Like, come on, there there's got to be something there that that a team could take advantage of at the NFL level. Um, and I and I hope they do because I really want to be able to root for that kid at the at the pro level, man. He's so so awesome. Um, but otherwise, well, I mean, we already mentioned it. Hyatt is is uh, on mock drafts in the first round. Uh, Darnell Wright I, is in mock drafts in the first round. I can tell you with those two in particular, I would love to see Jalen Hyatt end up in Kansas City with the Chiefs. I think mm-hmm. for him. That would be a dream situation. They could use a speed guy after losing Tyree Kill last year, trading to the Dolphins. They're losing, I think, Nicole Hardman and Valdez Scantling, I think, are free agents this year, so they could really use another speed guy. I mean, Hyatt's a perfect fit for that offense. And Kansas City is one of the – if there was an NFL team that's the most like Tennessee, it's the Chiefs. Andy Reid, it's a very collaborative process. He loves to promote from within. He just did it, you know, just this past week for his offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, that had been there before. But he does the same thing with analysts. He brings them up, promotes them just like Josh Heupel. They do a lot of unique things in their offense. We saw some of their, like, switch releases in the Super Bowl, similar to what Tennessee did with Jalen Hyatt at times this year. So I just think he would be a perfect fit in that offense. And for Darnell Wright, uh, I'd like to see him land with the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe. The Tennessee Titans. <laughs> I'm just talking about the best fit for the player here, not where, you know, fandom would. Lord knows we need him. We need him. <laughs> Come the, on down. The Bengals specifically have a need, you know, at tackle, and it feels like Darnell Wright, he, he would be a good geographical fit. He's from Huntington, West Virginia, just a couple hours away from Cincinnati. Just feels like he, he would fit in good with what they currently need. But But if not there, maybe the – the Titans will take him at number eleven overall, and everybody can you know wonder why they reached for an offensive lineman. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Uh, I like. Mr. I Jones. haven't seen like the Georgia offensive lineman Broderick Jones mocked to the Titans a bunch, yeah. and I wonder about after taking Isaiah Wilson, how Titans fans would feel about that. Uh, yeah, maybe be a little <laughs> hesitant, but we we got a new GM. Maybe he'll yeah. make better decisions. We'll see. He's a, he's a Florida guy. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I like this, Mr. Jones. He says if the Titans draft Hendon Hooker, they would have two hookers. Uh, we have a Monty Hooker, too, uh, mm-hmm. on the team. Multiple hookers for the Titans. Um, but, no, I, I just want to see all these dudes succeed because they're obviously at this point, if you were on this football team this year at Tennessee, you're going to be in perpetuity forever. You're going to be one of the most beloved guys that ever passed through Tennessee, <laughs> period. <laughs> like, that's you were just on the team that, like, brought Tennessee back and and I mean look at all the love that Grant again. you know Grant Ferking who who was on with us you know a month or so ago look at how much love I mean he was he was a guy yeah. that didn't play a lot you know it was a walk on and look at how much love that he received a lot of it was his unique situation with some of the things that he had done in his personal life but I mean that guy was at the forefront of everything Tennessee was doing so that ju- that just shows you if you go to Tennessee, you know, what kind of brand you can make for yourself. Guys like Jacob Warren, Princeton fan, they weren't the star guys like like Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker and even Jalen Wright and Jabari Small, but and fans love them just as much, which, which says a lot about Tennessee, I think. If you love us, we will love you back a, a lot. <laughs> There's plenty of uh, love to go around in the Tennessee fan base for the players. Uh, and – you know, shout out to any recruit that's listening. That one's for you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for, for the most part, uh, that's we just wanted to address it because the combine's coming up. But was there anything else with football before we move on? Finally, 
finish the show off with basketball, Zach. Yeah, I think that's finally it when it comes to football. I'm sure something will pop up as, as soon as we get off of here being live. But for now, pretty much covers it. Yeah, it, I will say today we uh, we started back up our streak of recruits committing to the football yeah, team on true. Mondays. That's true. We we had a real hot streak there for a while. I think last off season where recruits mm-hmm. were just always committing on Mondays. I don't know if that was like a thing that Tennessee was sort of having them do or something. Um, but maybe we can get that get that back going. We can get the juju back here <laughs> on Monday commits. Yeah, just commit before four Eastern on Mondays. It's all that's good. all. That's all I ask. Just before we were live on here, that's the only thing that I request of you. We uh, did have a couple times last year where something happened just as soon as we got done. We're like, you've got well, to be kidding us. I mean, the the real one, the best one ever. We were on the show about to sign off, and we were talking about Nico. Oh yeah, when Nico committed. That's right. Yeah, that one. That's when we knew we were like we were really on a hot streak where we yeah. were like, "There's no way this guy." We we're talking about him on the show, and he committed. So, I mean, frankly, I'll put it this way: You're welcome to all Tennessee fans. <laughs> I think we were a part of Nico committing to Tennessee. I don't want to take too much credit, but like we were definitely like a factor. Um, yeah, I mean, it's indisputable, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Oh, and I meant to from from that segment. That was supposed to be the Omaha Steaks Who's Cooking segment. I was going to say who's cooking is the players in the NFL Combine for Tennessee. Uh, I realized that I forgot to say that just a few minutes ago. Oh, Jalen Hyde's going to cook up the uh, 40-yard dash. I cannot wait. That's going to be one of the most anticipated 40-yard dashes ever. I mean, I know there's been fast guys before. This isn't just a, oh, you're a Tennessee guy type thing. I mean, the guy scored five touchdowns against Alabama. He instantly became one of the biggest stars in college football thanks to that game. And everybody knows he's fast. So everybody, it's not going to be one of those deals where it's like, who is this guy that just ran a 4-2? Everybody's going to be like, oh, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, kind of figured he'd do that. I'm very excited to see what happens. And obviously next, uh, I'm, I think the Combine ends the day we do our show next week, like next Monday. But we'll we'll discuss the results there and everything that happened on next week's show. But we're going to finish this episode of the show with a little talk about basketball. They absolutely laid the wood to South Carolina, but then also lost Texas A&M. We're going to talk about that right after I tell you about our final sponsor this week, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. There we go. The graphic wasn't working. Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Where's my copy? Here it is. We're in the middle of winter now, except thankfully it's about to end, hopefully. Uh, But I can tell you, folks, there is nothing better to go with a chilly night here in the great state of Tennessee than an excellent whiskey. And more specifically, I'm talking about Rattle and Snap. Tennessee select straight whiskey from Log Still Distillery. Log Still has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap that's named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There is a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap. And I've actually, I switched it up this week, Zach. I put the four-year version behind me. I usually have the eight, um, but uh, I watched that Texas A&M game last week, and the eight is gone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's the four-year right there. It's a beautiful bottle. Looks great on the shelf, but also tastes great in the glass. Uh, You can find Rattle and Snap right now in stores across Tennessee, and Rattle and Snap is also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi, if you're of all that lives in another state, so run and don't walk to get you some Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey for those cold winter nights and maybe some of these a little more 
lukewarm spring nights. It works for those too. And follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Now, this segment is the Rattle and Snap Tennessee stat. And I'll lay one on you from, from basketball this week. There's two. Well, so here's two. Zakai Ziegler recorded his fifth points assist double-double of the season against South Carolina. And the five that he has are now tied for the Tennessee record for most points assist double-doubles in a career, not in a season, in a career. He has matched uh, the Tennessee record there. And then Tennessee, with that absolute beatdown of South Carolina, became the first SEC team to record two 40-plus point wins over a conference opponent in the same season since 1953-54, since the Korean War. <laughs> That's the first time an SEC team has done that. And frankly, after that football game against South Carolina this season, it couldn't have happened uh, against a better squad, except maybe Alabama this season to screw those guys. But um, this was a weird week of basketball because Tennessee lost that game against Texas A&M and realistically, I, you know, they should have won. They're a better team than Texas A&M, and it was a tough road environment, but they Tennessee is not good in close games, and it was tough. And that that reared its ugly head in that Texas A&M game. But then Josiah Jordan-James comes back in this game uh, against Texas A&M, and I think one of the biggest things to talk about here is the emergence of Jemai Meshack, who Jemai Meshack? 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 Meshack. Um. His emergence here, I think there's a chance I don't want to instill too much confidence here because Tennessee's been so inconsistent all season. But he could be a little bit of an X factor going forward. He has put together some really awesome performances. Um, and that's that's nice. I, I really liked it. Did uh, you watch these games, Zach? Yeah, the the Texas saying name when I was still again, if you put these games in a vacuum and you don't think about the Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida, and all these other games that, that haven't went Tennessee's way. You don't have Josiah Jordan-James in that game. It's a road game. It's a, you know, they were ranked 25th when Tennessee played them. It's not a bad loss. Like, I don't consider that a bad loss. When you put it in the context of the rest of the season, it's a frustrating loss, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad loss. I do think, though, to go to your point with Meshach, I do think some of what they've been through the last month might end up paying off a little bit here if they can build on this South Carolina game moving forward and Josiah Jordan-James stays healthy because it's kind of forced Britt Barnes to give Meshack some time to see what he can do and to let him prove himself. And he's proved that he can. you can count on him, you know, maybe when the NCAA tournament starts. You can give him those minutes. You, it's not a gamble anymore. He's kind of got a little bit of a body of work here. It's It's small, but... Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen what he can do. And like you said, be an X factor possibly moving forward. So, you know, you get him going. You've got Jos Josiah Jordan-James back. He played 21 minutes against South Carolina. Hopefully he can stay healthy through the end of the season. Perhaps they're, you know, they can still make this run that we thought they could make at the beginning of the year. It's the one thing we've kept saying throughout the, this kind of tough stretch they've been in is that everything's still there. Even if they fall to like a three, four, five seed in the tournament, everything's still there. And this is the one year where four or five seed winning winning the whole thing would not be shocking to anybody at all, I don't think. So no. you know, Tennessee's got just as good of a chance as anybody. They still have to show they can be consistent. 
you know, against South Carolina, they did the things they have to do to win. They they shot well from the field. They didn't turn the ball over. I think they only had like four turnovers total, three or four turnovers. They didn't foul a lot. They didn't didn't get in foul trouble. Neither team really got in foul trouble. For Tennessee to have scored that many points, they only shot what six free throws. But yeah. they shot well from threes. They they field goal percentage was good in general. They just played smart. Zakai Ziegler, big game, like you said. You don't see a lot of those uh, double-doubles like that in, in the college game. A lot of times, those guys don't score the way Ziegler can score. So, I mean, that's the recipe, right? Just do that. Just do that every week, even if it's, you know, if it's not South Carolina, maybe it's a 10-point win against a better team, but th- that's the whole recipe. It's that simple. So, well, this is a good observation from Mr. Jones here. Before I get into Mayshack and that whole thing, oh, he, look, Max says we're clowns. Well, that's fun. I wonder what I wonder if he you think he's an Arkansas fan. Is he Arkansas fan? Is he Alabama fan? I don't know. Probably Alabama. We haven't Probably thrown shade at Arkansas, have we? Uh no. But what is gonna happen is he's gonna get blocked by um no, this is a point for Mr. Jones right here. He says Texas AM went to the line 30 plus times to 14 for Tennessee. This is such a huge, huge factor for this Tennessee basketball team for them to perform at their highest ability. They really need this isn't good, but it's true, in my opinion. They really need a loose whistle. When it's a tight whistle in a game and they can't play their physical brand of defense, it obviously the other team goes to the line a ton. And that's how they rack up points. I mean, if Texas AM doesn't go to the line that much and Tennessee gets blocks instead of fouls, uh, then you know, obviously Texas AM doesn't score nearly as many points and Tennessee probably wins that basketball game. It makes a huge difference there just because Tennessee struggles on, on offense that much. If a, if a team goes to the line a ton because of a tight whistle, it, that, that's a problem. Uh, but on top of that, what Mayshack brings here that I is really exciting to me is he's essentially, if, if Rick plays it the way I hope he does, he's probably going to take a bunch of minutes from Tyreek Key. And I really like Tyreek Key. He's a, a local kid, or he's from, what, Salina, I think, Salina, Tennessee. You know, kind of came back home to Tennessee, and I, I've liked his effort. But what Meshack does, instead of what Key does, Key just works off those screens, works off those screens, and then, you know, if he gets an open shot, he'll take it. He very rarely takes a contested shot, and honestly, throughout the season, very rarely does he make those shots. But when he has made them, it's exciting. He's had some big games where he scored a bunch. But Meshack is a slasher. And what that creates is it kind of stretches the defense and it creates facilitation for guys on the perimeter and potentially creates chances for guys on the block. And he is actually pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands. Like People have compared him to uh, Josh Richardson, I've seen, but I would actually go more like Eve Pons if Eve Pons at the beginning of his time at Tennessee was a better ball handler. He's obviously... Physical freak, you know, really lengthy, super tough on defense. I mean, Meshack just brings the heat on defense, and that's so, so, so valuable. But offensively, he really can cut to the basket, pass the ball out, cut to the basket, maybe make a move. I mean, he scored a a decent amount. He can also make threes, and he's made some threes. And compared to what Key was bringing, which was just, again, coming off those screens, trying to create an open three, getting an open three. And then when he gets an open three, a lot of times he misses it. Like that was sort of Key's game on offense. Meshack is super strong on defense and then like brings kind of a new element 
on offense that I really like and, and really could make a difference going forward. And I really hope, please, Rick, keep playing him. And because he's guys just giving 110% out there. I love his effort. He he's just been awesome. And then obviously James, James was great coming back, but he's another guy that I'm like, thank you for the 18 points in that game. Can you do it two games in a row? Because it's just been so up and down. It's like Olivier Kamwa too. It's like, he'll score 20 and then he'll score zero. <laughs> and I just need consistent consistency there, but maybe Meshack can shake things up. I hope so. Do you think moving forward with James like that, what he did against South Carolina playing 20, 21 minutes, do you think that should be kind of the plan for him? Like don't, don't try to stretch him out to 30 some minutes a game. Do you think that's a better spot for him, especially with Meshack the way he's playing? I think that will be perfect. Now, now that you've kind of discovered the addition of Meshack here and he's it, at least in physical build, a little similar to, uh, to Josiah. I, I wanted to find, I actually, so I wrote about Josiah and I, I don't know that I realized, let me see. Sorry. I got to find it here. Um, but I just wrote a thing last week. that was just, what's the deal with Josiah Jordan James. And I found out in the final eight games, of the season last year. Here it is right here. In the final eight games of the 2021-2022 season, uh, James averaged 14.6 points and 7.3 rebounds per game. He shot 46% from three-point. And he just kind of played at another level. If you could get him to play at that exact level, just like he did at the final stretch of last season, and do it in, yeah, like, 21, 20 to 25 minutes a game. I think that would be absolutely perfect. Um, but also that does have to come along with like Tennessee's a whole different team. When Zakai Ziegler is having a great game, which is more often than not, obviously, I mean, I just said he's been having all of these double doubles and stuff and has, has some really great performances uh, pretty often. But uh, like outside of that, just if you can get some of these other factors working on those nights where, when Zakai's off, I mean, it just seems like if Zakai's off, this team loses. Like that's mm-hmm. when he gets in foul trouble and gets taken off the floor, <laughs> that offense just becomes so brutal, so brutal. Uh, so keep him on the floor, keep him playing well, get Josiah to to play a great final stretch like he did last season. Get this new element from from Mayshack. I mean, Mister Jones brings up here like Awaka continue with his great play he had an awesome uh oop slam in that game against south carolina just you know build on it rather than kind of some of what we've seen with rick in the past where he's a little hard-headed and just my way or the highway um just let it let it be let it be what it is and and let these guys go out there and play with the strengths that we've seen in these last few games and you know honestly if if Meshack goes out there and has a nice performance, maybe Tennessee makes an Elite Eight, Final Four this season, and that's kind of one of the instigating factors, would it not be? It's kind of a uh, a Jalen Hyatt situation. Cedric Tillman goes out, and you you find out, oh my gosh, Jalen Hyatt might be the best wide receiver in America. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, that that would be nice. I, I wouldn't mind that, just accidentally finding out that Jemai Meshack's your X-Factor. That would be cool. Well, I mean, it's kind of been the thing that we've been hoping would happen all season. We just didn't think it would be him. We thought yeah. it would be a more established player just kind of taking that next step and becoming that guy. I don't think we ever really considered that, hey, maybe maybe the answer isn't being utilized, you know, the proper way at this point. So, yeah, you're you're definitely right. That that would be something if he kind of goes out and becomes a star in the NCAA tournament uh, and helps Tennessee make this Elite Eight or Final Four run. It, it's definitely what they need to happen. We'll see if it does. Uh 
how do you feel about this Arkansas game, though, uh, coming up this week, Tuesday night? It's going to be really, really tough. They're playing Late really game good basketball. Too. Late game. They were up by 10 at Alabama on Saturday. They ended up losing by two. <laughs> and to Alabama's credit, nothing. The distractions do not seem to be bothering them. They're not bothering Brandon Miller. I know we've already been over that, but that dude's going off like crazy. They're absolute sociopaths. Uh, they don't care about anything. Um, but, but, but yeah, to your point, Arkansas is playing. Yeah, they're yeah, they're, not they're easy, playing not easy out. Yeah, um, they, I think Tennessee is the better team. It's in Thompson Bowling Arena, which is nice. If it was mm-hmm. in Bud Walton, it's a loss in my opinion. Uh, but they're, Tennessee's gonna have to play good basketball in this one. Now, Muscleman, I want to say Muscleman has not won in Thompson Bowling yet in his time at Arkansas, so maybe that bodes well. The fact that it's in Knoxville, I. You know, if I had to call it, I'd say Tennessee wins, but I think it's going to be really close. I will not be surprised at all if it's very, very back and forth. But the thing is, I mean, if it ends up being very back and forth and it's like a two-point game coming down the stretch, Tennessee has been so bad in that spot all season. Oh, no, yeah. So bad in that spot. Arkansas would just foul Vestrovy and make him win it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's that's all you got to do. Put this team at the line. Oh, because the big the big man can't make free throws, and then the guys that are supposed to make free throws miss them in crunch time. So, well, what about because I don't know if we'll talk about basketball anymore this week? Then you got Saturday at Auburn. How's what do you feel there? Auburn's playing pretty bad down the stretch. I hope it's a win. I'm not gonna hold my breath. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> playing at Auburn is just. Oh, do you make me feel pretty good about this? <laughs> uh, I mean. Auburn absolutely got their teeth kicked in by Kentucky over the weekend. And I Kentucky's playing good basketball and they're, you know, it's they're they're playing good basketball at the right time. Yada yada yada. It's what happened, what has happened a lot with Calipari because he has so many young guys. But uh, you know, with Auburn, that it's a really, really hard place to win a basketball game. It's, it, honestly, like to their credit, I don't think I ever thought I'd be saying that about Auburn before Pearl showed up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tough venue to win in. And so I'm, I'll say this is a win, in my opinion, if if Tennessee splits these two games. Now, if they can win both, they are locked into there. They're, if they win both, I believe there's no way that they could not get the double buy in the SEC tournament. If they lose to Auburn, I want to say Missouri would also have to lose a game or else they will get the fourth spot and get that double buy. But I don't, you know, honestly, I I would rather this happen. Tennessee, if Tennessee doesn't get the double buy, I'd rather just like lose that second game in the SEC tournament and then move on to the NCAA tournament. Like put all of the power behind. I mean, I want to win both. Believe me. (laughs) I will be ecstatic. To, to win in the SEC tournament and win in the NCAA tournament. But like to me, this it's all about the NCAA tournament this season. You won the SEC tournament last year. We saw Rick do it. You stamped that one. That's great. I Take me to a Final Four, Rick. Please, 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 please. Uh, but on that note, so later this week, uh, our midweek segment this week is going to be uh, talking about, it's going to be after the Arkansas game. So we're going to see what happens in that one. And then we're going to talk about how far Tennessee might make it in the NCAA tournament. In our personal opinion, at the current their current stage, we're going to talk about how we feel about that because uh, it's obviously with Rick, it's been a dicey prospect to making it past the Sweet Sixteen in the tournament. So, well, Mr. Uh, Jones has a comment here that that 
I love, and it kind of plays into what you just mentioned there about going into the tournament. He's, he says, can Mayshack become March Shack? March Shack. <laughs> I love so it. Good. That's I, great. I don't know if it'll catch on, Mr. Jones. It'll catch on here. It'll catch on in this house, and I'll tweet it. I don't know if anybody else will. I, I'm not going to lie. But I, I like it. Yeah, we, we might have to steal that for a tweet. We'll get we'll give you credit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really good. March Shack. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just know. I, I mean, obviously, if if they do win in the SEC tournament, though, I, I will say this. Please, please let us play Alabama. Give oh, yeah. me them. Absolutely. I, I want justice delivered to that team. And and I honestly, I don't care if it's it's Tennessee. Obviously, it would be my greatest joy to have it be Tennessee. But somebody beat those those clowns. Oh my gosh! First round, yeah. Yes, please, please, please. I mean, obviously, they almost lost to South Carolina, so we know what's possible. Just finish it this time, whoever that might end up being. Man, they're so lucky they didn't play in Thompson Bowling the first game after all that happened. Oh, that would have been. Oh, I mean, the way that those games fell for them, I, I do think. Don't they play? No, they already played at Auburn. They have Auburn at home, but I think they do play another like pretty tough road game that might actually have like a decent home crowd. I, I don't know their final two games. Let's see who they did. They play versus Auburn this week, then at Texas A&M on Saturday. See Texas A&M that that'll be uh, that'll be packed. I mean, obviously there was a chance that was going to come down to uh, to be the SEC championship. Yeah. For the regular season, and then Texas A&M blew it against Mississippi State. Way to go! But um, no, I mean, dude, that'll be packed out, and you know he's going to get taunted at that game. Oh, yeah. yet the SEC tournament's going to be brutal for that. Oh game. yeah. Oh, every fan from every team across the SEC just being there, bearing down on Alabama. Ooh, it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, going to be a good time. I can't wait to see what happens. And, and again, I hope Tennessee gets the chance to knock them off. God, that would be that would be beautiful. Uh, so I think that's it, though, for this yeah. uh, version of the old Big Orange podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for watching. We seriously, we appreciate it so much. You guys are uh, too kind to us. And go uh, support the sponsor, Superbook, Rattling Snap Whiskey, Omaha Steaks, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Go support them because they support us. Uh, but otherwise, social medias, YouTube, rate, review, subscribe, hit the like button. Yada yada yada. You, I mean, you're here. You know what to, what to do. You made it this far. So thanks again for watching, and uh, we'll talk to y'all uh, in that midweek segment. See you guys later.